0: Welcome to another episode of Alicia Shanice Reviews. I am your host. It's your girl Shanice coming back at you with another podcast. We are on episode 179 today. And today's topic is the new three-part limited docu-series, Supreme Team. Based off the infamous, notorious Supreme Team from... Southside Jamaica Queens. This documentary, uh, it takes deaf you know, a, a deaf look into the Notorious Queens, New York gang and tells the real story from the mouths of you know Kingdom Supreme and Prince, which I really appreciated because we've always heard their story third party. And you know, everybody who was either affiliated or around that time, or like, you know, Irv Gotti or Ja Rule or people in the industry telling stories of Preem. And Prince, and I've read multiple books on them, so it felt good to hear their words. A lot of this information that was in the docu series I had already knew, but it was some interesting details in there that I was not aware of, and it just felt good to watch a documentary produced by Nas, who is from Queens. LL Cool J was in there, and you know, hear it coming out of their own mouths from this um, King of Supreme and <clears throat> Gerald Prince. So it felt really good to do that um so we about to get into it break it down dissect it like we do over here on this platform and um i will be off for probably about another week after that when i come back we're gonna do another music talk show and we're gonna continue with our mafia marathon until the power universe returns so next up on that um, mafia list we got Casino and Bugsy so that's coming up and that'll be out in about a week because I'm about to go out of town so I won't get that in for about another week but your girl got y'all I already did um Fair City New York versus the mafia the documentary we did Goodfellas Donnie Brasco uh the Gotti movie from 1996 so those are uploaded if you guys want to check those out But we about to jump into the show. As always, if you need to hit me up, Alicia Shanice's Facebook, Alicia Shanice Reviews for Instagram, email Alicia Shanice Reviews, 13 at gmail.com. You can always inbox, DM, or email me for any requests you might have that you would like for me to recap. That could be a TV show. That could be a documentary. That could be a movie. Hit me up. I'll check your request out and get it out within a week or you can just hit your girl up and say what's up that's always cool too um and don't forget about those fire ass playlists I got on Spotify check those out if you go on Spotify it's free just put in Shanice loves and you can check out all of my music playlists I have every genre because your girl I got some long gears. okay so on that note let's get into the show and let's talk some supreme team It's Shanice, and she's the one. Her name is Shanice, and she's the one. y'all let's talk about it and before we jump all the way in I want to say shout out to Jamil from Gully TV I watched his live before I did my recap the other day before I even watched it because I was so excited I had been waiting on this documentary to pop out and you know he's like the goat in this genre to me like he's interviewed the the most notorious hustlers from that era um, He's was the first person to ever interview Haitian Jack And he did the Haitian Jack interview, uh, interview And he did a documentary as well So make sure you guys cop his book It has all that intel in there It's called Some Things I've Been Through You can cop that off of Amazon But shout out to Jamil I was watching his uh, feedback on this uh, docuseries He wasn't really too pleased with it Because he felt like they didn't go They left a lot out and I think I can pretty much see why they left it out after watching it um, and getting all the way to the end. I'm like, OK, it makes sense why they did it that way. But I always respect his opinion. He even went um, and did a live with uh, Brian Glaze Gibbs, who was affiliated with Fat Cat. And, you know, that was around the whole Supreme Team era as well. And they broke down, you know, a lot of stuff that they did like about it or didn't like about it. And, you know, Gully has interviewed multiple people around that genre in that era and glaze was around and affiliated with that crew. So I liked it hearing their takes on it because, you know, they actually know these people, they have worked with some of these people and you know, so on Jamil from Gully TV. He has done a lot with Bimmy and Bimmy was, you know, he ran the Supreme team after Prince was locked up. So you guys should go check out that live. It was really interesting. And then check out that book as well. Some things I've been through in a documentary off Haitian Jack. But after uh watching their live, it made me more intrigued because I had been, as soon as I heard about this docuseries dropping and that Nas was producing it, I had been geeked. I could not wait. And then when I seen they had watched it and uh, listened to their recap, I was like, oh shit. So I had to, uh, checked it out, and then when I checked it out for myself, I I kind of seen why they went in the direction they did. I still think it was a very very good documentary. A lot of stuff I already knew. Um, they did leave a lot out, and then there was some stuff in there I didn't know. One thing I really liked it was hearing. Prince talk and tell his side of the story and preem talk and tell his side of the story because we always heard it third party. But I have shouted out this book so many times. It's called uh, Fat Cat 50 Cent and Queen's Reign Supreme: The Rise of the Hip Hop Hustler. And it's by Ethan Brown. Now, this book goes into detail, and when I say detail, I mean detail about what was going on in New York in the 80s, what was going on with Fat Cat. Supreme <clears throat> Prince and then on how it merged into hip-hop 50 cent it has so much in here and then before it gets to the prologue in the beginning of the book it breaks down the players in the game in the 80s and has like a little brief description so i wanted to read um ken of supreme mcgriff aka Prime. they have him listed as the ceo of the crack dealing crew called the supreme team after his release from prison in 1995 he became a hip-hop entrepreneur who went into business with the Inks, irvin lorenzo on a straight to dvd movie called crime partners and then for gerald prince miller it has nephew of of supreme mcgriff who ran the supreme team while mcgriff was in prison Now, Marie Fat Cats as well says Lorenzo Fat Cat Nichols, the most feared and powerful hustler in Southeast Queens. The Nichols organization not only netted millions from the sales of crack, cocaine and heroin, but also supplied competing crews such as the Supreme Team with drugs. And the list goes on. It breaks down all the players in that in that era and what they were about this book is one of them this book is one of the most fire ass books i have ever read when it comes to that true crime urban genre this book is it um this is based off police wiretaps <clears throat> i'm sorry <clears throat> excuse me this is based off police wire tapes um exclusive interviews with drug kingpins and hip-hop insiders and it's a lot of untold stories in here so I'm telling y'all, check this book out, Fat Cat, 50 Cent, and the Queens Reigns the Supreme, Um, The Rise of the Hip-Hop Hustlers. I bought this about, shit, about seven years ago. Um, I read it twice. Um, Another good book that goes into a lot of um, intel, and it's mainly in hip-hop, is that Prodigy's book. Um, That Prodigy book, even if you don't read a lot, um his audiobook it reads like a fucking movie it reads like a, a fucking movie but anyway let's talk about the show the documentary <clears throat> so this was a three-part docu-series um the first uh, episode was called the foundation and it opens with Nas narrating talking about Kenneth McGriff and <clears throat> his nephew Gerald Prince Miller this documentary was all about them <clears throat> And we see, you know, that he received an inmate call on the phone and it was Prince on the phone. <clears throat> and, you know, it kind of, he's t- talking, he's they're telling their story over the phone the whole time of the documentary. Money, power, respect, the American dream was the supreme team. They were neighborhood superheroes. They were young, uh, you know, it was a lot of young kids, women, Etc. They worship them, and we even see LL Cool in here, and we see that Prince has been incarcerated for thirty-two years since nineteen ninety. It's a long ass time. So we um see early footage of. Prince at his birthday party, and this was in 1985. And we even see a young uh, LL Cool J in there. And one thing about LL, he was really around. He was (laughs) he was around. It's another book I've read. Like I said, I got all the Hustler's books from the 80s, but it's called um, Shit. What is that book called? The Last Ill. We see it just wasn't like a bad neighborhood, just a full of drug dealings back in the um you know mid seventies, early early eighties. Um, it was a black owned, it it was black owned, um, it was a black owned construction company who helped build Jamaica Queens, um which was beautiful you know it's good to always show the positive side as well as the negative they always so quick to show the negative the hustling the drug dealers they know the addicts out there but they'll never show the positive side like it was a a black owned construction company that built so much in jamaica queens and you know it was beautiful it was um, a middle-class working families fathers were at home so that was good to see you know at the beginning before crack came when crack came it changed the game nationwide especially in a, especially in the black communities um so we always see the hustling we always see the killing and things of that nature so i was happy to see that they showed that as well being in um queens at that time you know, this was around 1973, and they have in the documentary that 1973 was a big year. That was the last time the Knicks won the championship. That's when the Twin Towers were built. That was the birth of hip-hop. That was, you know, everything changing in the world with the Vietnam War. It was just so much in, in 73. And it goes on to tell, you know, what affected Prince at a younger age was uh, your little um, 10-year-old boy named Clifford. Glover, who was murdered by a police officer. And um, of course, you know, he, he got off, as they always do. And we see riots came from that. And, you know, Clifford to this day, he rests in an unmarked grave since 1973. And Prince goes on to say on how it affected him. He said it made some people, you know, while they were out there rioting, want to, you know, it made him feel like a second-class citizen. You know, watching a little 10 year old boy get gunned down like that. Nothing happens. You riot. They don't give a damn. It made you feel like a second class citizen. He said it made some people want to go out there. He'll go riot, be an activist, but it made him say, fuck it. He wanted to go in the next, another direction. That's coming from, you know, his words of what he said in here. And I could see how that could affect somebody. Um We see um, a lot hasn't changed since then is that type of shit still happens. Even when you go to 2020, you go to the Emmett Till, that type of stuff has been happening for years. And uh, we see that that's what happened in Queens. And I never knew that story of, you know, uh, Clifford Glover. Uh, we see Mr. Black from the Seven Crowns. He was around. They were The Seven Crowns were around before the Supreme Team. They had their own little crew. So we see Mr. Black in there. We see multiple Hustlers in here from that time. Um, that was one thing Jamil said he wasn't feeling as well as Bimmy wasn't in here. I do think Bimmy should have been in here. I'm talking about Bimmy in a minute. Um, I love the fact that they introduced um, the world to, cause some people don't know, but in this documentary, how they shed light on the five percenters, the nations of gods and earths, um, you know, have a knowledge of self And most of the Supreme team, they had, they, they were five percenters and Supreme got his name from somebody named Supreme who had given him the knowledge. So, you know, he took it on, he took his name on as a form of respect. And, you know, he had the, hold that name up to high regards because that's who he got his name from who gave him knowledge itself so i was so happy that they put that in a documentary because the five percenters is a really big deal in new york it branched off from the nation of islam clarence x started it um shortly after malcolm x was killed um i have done a lot of research on that as well um but yeah i was i know i I had I had already had knowledge that most of the supreme team were five percenters and i had even mentioned it when we do our power recaps and i was like if you pay attention look at on how they talk in uh power raising canaan i'm like they're talking that five percent code and it's in jamaica queens i'm like most of the hustlers even the book i read with um shakim bio the last illest he was a five percenter most of the guys in new york they were five percenters and that all came from clarence x so i was happy that they uh implemented implemented that into this documentary as well. Um, so in this doc, this was my first time. Like I said, it was so much stuff in here I knew, but it was a lot I didn't know. One uh, or didn't had never seen a face to it, just heard the name. So I had been hearing about this notorious hustler for years, through all the books I've read and everything, the docs, but I had never seen his face. So in this doc was my first time seeing Green Eye Born. I have Read about green Eye Born in the book I just told you guys about, in Prodigy's book, in so many, even in the last Illis, so many books. So I, I finally got to see him. like, okay, that's green Eye Born. So we see his face in there, and him and Prem, they both had those green eyes. Um, they show uh, Lorenzo Fat Cat Nichols in here. Of course, as they should, they were, you know, two different crews, but very affiliated. And they show um, the notorious pictures of him and his family. They even have footage of him and his sisters getting arrested, which was a big ass organization. So I like I said, it was certain things in this documentary. They did leave a lot out. But I really appreciated seeing certain footage that I had never seen before. Because um, when you read these books, it talks about on how big the Nicholas organization was and, and then on how irate his family was when they got arrested. And just to see them walking his sisters out and stuff, I'm like, damn, that shit crazy because I had read so much about it, about Fat Cat and them. And when they went down and I think that they left a lot out uh, because, you know, pe- they have gotten older. People are trying to change their lives. And right now Fat Cat is trying to get out of prison. He's up um, where he's, you know, going for resentencing, he's up for parole. So he's trying to get out Prince as well. So I think that's why it was very polished. You know, a lot of this shit happened in the eighties. They were very young. Um, fat cat was like in his thirties, I believe, Prince was very young and, you know, he had all this time to reflect and change their lives. They might don't have the same way of thinking that they thought 30 years ago. So, of course, a lot of it was polished up and then people trying to come home. So I'm not mad at that. Um, They show uh the crack epidemic and how it hit Queens heavy, like in 84 and 85. And um i like the fact that they showed in this documentary on how they ran the team like a real business hell they even had you know how hustlers they get this off of this amount what they sell no the supreme team ran that shit like a business Prem, he was the businessman ran it so much like a business that they even had paydays. They got paid on Fridays. It was structured like the Godfather. Like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, even when you go and you while you listen to Hustlers now, when they talk about, you know, when you watch Scarface, Scarface came out in 1983. It was like a commercial for the, um you know, for the drugs, you know, for cocaine and for that cocaina, you know. But then when you um go into like the 70s, that's how the Godfather was. You know, they, they took... The movie The Godfather, and they fucking structured their team like that. They had the Mafia boss, which was Kenneth Supreme, the underboss, Gerald Prince. They had the soldiers, Bimmy, Green Eye Born, and all of them. So they ran their shit structured. And I always thought myself, Supreme Team came from, you know, Kenneth McGriff's name, Supreme, but it came from a record, the world famous Supreme Team. So that was really interesting to know because that was something I didn't know as well. That's where the name came from. It came from a song. Um, it shows us the Baisley Park houses, apartments. Preen ran all of that structure like a fucking company. You know, like a company. They had uniforms, <laughs> like they, they was not planned. And um, they even put in there like on how the movie New Jack City was. That was based off of how the Supreme team ran they shit for real. And I know that they did that in Detroit as well. It was two brothers. I can't think of their name right now, but they was on some New Jack City stuff too. You know, when Crack came out, Air all the hustlers nationwide, they had their own little general motor shit going on off crack, you know, like it was booming. But he ran these apartments like a structured company. And um they had they they had paydays (laughs) so we see um after the crack epidemic in the mid 80s we see the violent the violence increase and remember when it first came the documentary first came on it said on how you know queens was like a middle-class neighborhood it was a nice neighborhood well shit that shit went down quick soon as crack hit you know you had mothers wives who were looking like zombies you know you had husbands men who worked went to stayed at home and then all of a sudden they're walking the street like crack it was a different type of high and it it went quick so I like how they um put it on how crack changed the game it was the storm at the right time and in the mafia you had to become you per se a made man to get to a certain level like if you in a mob you gotta be a soldier first then you gotta work your way up it's certain rules you have to go ahead They even have to open up the books before you become an official made man you can't just go and join the mob basically but with the crack game it was just so easy to be in there anybody could be a dealer so um, we see in uh, apartments on how they had all of the mailboxes, you know, how all the apartment mailboxes together and when the mailman would go put the mail in there, it was cracked drugs in each um in each mailbox, and one time an officer, the officer was in a documentary, and he was like, hold on, when he seen it, like, hold on, leave it open and he was like, uh-uh, I ain't finna open shit, I'm about to close this back up you ain't finna get me killed, so even, you know, saying the mailman he was so scared, he wouldn't even say anything, he just opened it up, he seen the drugs, he ignored it, he put their mail in and he went on about his merry day, I mean the shit was really structured, they had all of the mailbox full with, with dope, so as the dot goes on we see um you know these uh notorious hustlers they had so much money and clout more than celebrities more than rappers they were fucking street celebrities off tax-free money they had more clout you know if you go you know picture going out now when who is the biggest rapper now uh who a lot of the young girls like uh what um say Dirk you know what I'm saying you go to the to the club now you see Dirk or Drake or something if they went out back then the ladies they did not want you know what I'm saying the rappers they wanted these men they wanted these notorious they these were fucking street celebrities you know like Alpo name the people can say whatever they want about Alpo but his name still ring bells to this day they can call him all the rats and all that other bullshit they want to call him but his name still ring bells he had that charisma he had that swag and he was still a killer and he could still pull most of the rappers today talking all that stuff chicks to this day like it just was what it was and that's um well I don't want to get talking about Albo because that's a whole other story but it went on that was just the um the first part of the documentary and that one was called the Foundation and just talking about how it all came together um and we're gonna move to part two um, see yeah, but this was a um, this was a really really good doc. I appreciated it. They like I said, um, Jamil was right. They did leave a couple of things out, but I see why they prince um up for where he might can get out. So of course we want to see him home. So yeah, this one was called the foundation. Then we moved on to part two, and this was war and peace, and we see judge sterling johnson jr eastern district former federal prosecutor <laughs> we see him you know he went through a lot with the cream team um, back in the 80s and he was on them so hard we see even they showed a picture of carlos later from the meddling cartel they had even put a hit out on him and he lived in queens so that shit was crazy and um Speaking of the meddling cartel, Pablo Escobar did used to send some of his sicarios over to New York. Actually, one of his main hitmen, Laquica. Laquica actually was arrested in New York. When he got um, arrested, he was arrested in the, uh, US, in the U.S. in New York. So I can definitely believe that. He even sent a hitman to kill um, Barry Seal in uh Bad rouge, so Pablo would definitely send his Sicarios over here. So when they had that in there, and I seen a picture of Carlos later, they was like, "Yeah, the Medellin Cartel was after him." I'm like, "Oh shit!" But Pablo would send um his Sicarios over here. So um we um see he even goes on to say, you know, because at this time he was a former prosecutor, um. He went on to be, you know, the judge, but at this time he was still a prosecutor and he was coming after them heavy and he was in, he was, he was all the way in. He wanted, he was on some Rudy Giuliani stuff. You know, when Rudy Giuliani went after, um, the mob, he was on that type of stuff. He, He even said, you know, he lived in Queens. So when he would go get a haircut, he would tell the barber, like, leave me facing the, um, the door with my gun because when they come we both gonna go out and you know at the end of the day he was he took an oath to protect and serve and be of the law he was doing his job you know some police officers all of them weren't dirty oh you know all the judges weren't dirty it was you you need police I don't give a fuck. You know, you you do need police in your community. You do need to protect and serve your community. So you, um, it's not just no FR police. You know, you had some really good black cops. Actually, somebody from the Supreme team actually went on. I've been um, listening to his interview. He was a soldier in the Supreme team and he went off to join the military. He actually, when he got out of the military, he was in this documentary too. He actually became a cop. So you do have some good cops out there who um, just want to go and do their job. And I was listening to Sammy the Bull and Michael Franzese who were part, um, you know, they were Michael Franzese was a captain of the Colombo family, Sammy DeBull, you know, he was the underpost of the Gambino family. And they even say, you need police. And, you know, if the police win square, head, they have a job to do. So it's not just no F-R police. So civili- he was a civilian, this man, Judge Sterling Johnson, and he wanted to protect his community. You know, a lot of people were not happy. The crack epidemic, it ruined the black community. It destroyed it. So... You know, you did need people out there to try to protect and serve. And unfortunately, a lot of them did lose their lives as well. If we just going to keep it all the way real, you have a lot of brothers who went incarcerated, been incarcerated since the eighty, were overly charged. But you have a lot of innocent civilians who lost their lives. So, but then when you look at the bigger thing, the bigger picture of it, how did it get over here? What was the reason it got over here, you know? So you know, you put all this stuff in a young person's hand who never had anything and you know, only can see Dynasty and Dallas and shit on TV and then they can just get this money like this. They didn't know they were in the community. A lot of these boys were young. These hustlers were young, you know. So you have to look at the whole effect of you can't just say, oh, they're drug dealers. They have to go to prison or oh, they did this. It's the grand scheme of things. You have to look at the bigger picture of how did the drugs get over here? We didn't get the planes to go over there and get it. You know, and then when you look at the Contras and all of that, it goes so much deeper. And when you look at the people who brought it over here, where are they at now? And then when you look at the Pablos, the people who were at the cartels, what happened to them? And then what happened to the black and brown community over here? It's, it's, it's the bigger picture of it. But anywho, we go on and we see the um, it shows how they rated um, Preen's. <clears throat> it goes to show on how they rated Preem's going away um party, and um they rated him, took him in, and when they took Preem in, that's when Prince took over. So Prince became the boss when Preem took over. Prince still running shit, would give him orders, but um Prince was no joke. They I I have read that so many times that's why I was so intrigued hearing his voice and hearing the way he talked because they say Prince was no joke. And he said he was listening to everything. Preem had to say, except when he said, okay, that's enough. Calm down. (laughs) But they say Prince was no joke. So it shows the raid on Preem and him going away and uh, Prince taking over. And it also shows the murder of Edward Byrne, the rookie cop, which was very, very sad. Um, And, you know, the murder of Edward Byrne, that changed the fucking game. And it became so political. Like, it was very, very sad. It was very, very sad. But that murder changed the game. The murder of Edward Byrne, that's when the TNT units were brought in. Um, It became political. George Bush, when he did his campaign, he walked around with his badge. Um, and Supreme Prince Fat Cat, they actually had nothing to do with it, but it became so political that it was no, even if you didn't have anything to do with it, if you were any type of affiliation, if you sold some weed in Queens, they wanted to bring you down if you were around that era, especially if you were affiliated with Supreme, with Fat Cat, even though they really did. Supreme didn't have anything to do with that murder fat cat didn't even have anything to do with that you know so fat cat had his own crew supreme had his own crew but you know somehow in the eyes of the law they were all going down for this this nothing would ever be the same again you know fat cat was not a part of the supreme team the supreme team was not a part of the Nichols team it's just they were affiliated they were all in the same era they were all hustlers um, you know, a lot of hustlers run together. I don't mean they're part of the same crew, but in the eyes of the law, they was all going down and nothing was ever the same after that. So after that, everything changed. Times were changing. That's when they got the, um uh, uh you know, the Rudy Giuliani era. He came, he changed the game. He changed the game for New York period, especially with the mob. Like Rudy Giuliani did not come to play. And... You know, times just got to changing and that's when they brought out the stop and frisk, and, you know, they had the police having major fucking grudges because, you know, what they say, you don't mess with the boys in blue. So once you kill a cop, man, so we see on how it was when they took uh, Prince and they came and arrested him in the middle of the night. They ramshacked his house. They put holes in the walls. They took him and his wife's meat coats, threw them in a tub, put water all on them, um, held him down and searched the house for five hours. And that was the last night he was out. He has never been out since then. And they had all wire tapes on him. Um, that was in 1990. Now, he beat some of those charges. Those were murder charges because on the wiretapes, it was placed illegally and it was a state charge. But where they fucked up at, um, it, you know, with the, with the law, you can do whatever you want. So the, the uh, wiretapes was placed illegally. So what they did, but it was a state charge is they took it over and took it to the feds using the same wiretapes. And, you know, the feds have a 98% conviction rate. And they can use the t- they can use the wiretapes however they want. So that was their way of cleaning up everything and trying to come at them with the Rico charge. Because once that Rico charge hit the streets, and came after the mob. They started using it for everything. And you know, they used it for them as well. And Prince, when he went to jail, he was in there with the Teflon dime, Mr. John Gotti. He said John Gotti was cool. Because, you know, they always got something to say about how Gotti, you know, was with black people or whatever. But he said Gotti showed him mad respect. It was cool. So he was in there with the Teflon dime when he got arrested. Because, you know, this is around that Juliana era. So Prince was sentenced to uh, six concurrent life sentences plus 20 years. And now Preem has been gone. And when uh, Preem was gone, he was up for like eight years. So I remember Prince took over while Supreme was incarcerated. So with Prince going in, Preem is coming out. And when Prime is coming out, the times had changed. Hip hop had taken off. You know when they um like before he went in, that's when they just had the you know the cool mo the ill ills, and <laughs> Curtis blows. And when by the time he got out, everything had changed. It had been you know everything had changed. It wasn't the '80s no more. The '80s was just a different time. So we see hip hop had taken over. All the rappers were referencing him in their rhymes. He was coming out. Prince was going in eight years later. So we get to the third part of the documentary. I really enjoyed this one. Um, I enjoyed all three parts, but <clears throat> this one is called Truth and Consequences. And as soon as it come out, who we see, Irv guy <laughs> Talking about him and Pring's, uh brotherhood and how... Uh, he offered him to be vice president of Murder, Inc. And you know Irv Gotti. Whenever you hear him talk, he's going to be real animated. I love hearing Irv talk. He cracks me up. He is so animated and one of the best storytellers. But Irv said Preem declined his offer. He offered him so much. And he was like, nah, you know, if I accept your offer, I won't be being preem. I'll work for you. And that's just not me. So, you know. the brothers in the street had so much respect for preem they would say you know word to (laughs) preem you know what i'm saying but when he got out people really did want to look out for him just because of how much respect they had for him you know his name did hold high regards like they would say word to preem so you know of course of course you know they were young boys Mesmerized, looking up to the hustlers, and when they get out, of course, everybody want to look out for pre you know. But times had changed, and he was, you know, going into trying to be an entrepreneur. He, uh I don't care what you say; it might not be right. Of course, it's not right selling drugs. But a lot of those hustlers organized, like on how they were, they could run their own fucking CEO. They could be a CEO of their company the way that they, they ran some of their drug dealings, you know. But um. Now, we see with him being locked up in the 80s and coming out in the 90s, that's a culture shock by itself. The 80s was something different, especially for the hustlers. So, Irv, he was a DJ. He was from Hollis, Queens. And let's not get it twisted. In the late 90s, early 2000s, Murder, Inc. was the shit. I know a lot happened with them, but Murder, Inc. was the shit. We're going to get credit where credit is due herb was so animated throughout this whole documentary i just love the way he tells stories and um he goes on to say on how he even came up with the name murder Inc. was from watching something with the mafia on lucky luciano and once he got the stamp from jaru like yeah murder Inc. sound cool and then you know call hope because him and hope had a really good relationship and hope said it was cool he knew he was on to something so you know what I'm saying? It wouldn't be talking about the Supreme team documentary. They ain't bring up my main man, 50 Cent, Curtis Jackson. And they brought up the Ghetto Quran song. And to me, Ghetto Quran is a really, really, really fire song. Like he's telling the story of Jamaica Queens. You know, Prince was the businessman. And Prince, you know what I'm saying? Like that song go hard, but they bring that up. And this was interesting because I had never heard Preem's side of it. And he said, um, out of his own words, that, you know, it was a lot of prior discussions before the shooting happened. Um, And, you know, now 50 Cent is actually currently in the works of doing something with Benny about the Supreme Team. I don't know if that's one of the reasons – why he wasn't in a documentary. I I think that um I just watched the Bimmy interview and Bimmy was saying Preem don't really talk to him because of his relationship with 50 Cent. But that's gonna be interesting. I'm gonna see you know we support everything 50 do over here um on this platform but I can't I like listening to Bimmy. Um I really enjoyed this documentary listening to Prince and Preem in their own words as well. But it's gonna be interesting to see on how they do that. Um, with Bimmy's story with Fifty Cent telling it, I I know Fifth gonna do something authentic. Of course, you know he he this was his neighborhood. But uh, I felt like Bimmy should at least been in here. He was really a, he was really. A1. He was he was one of the top. So I wish he they did have his name in there when they broke broke it down on how you know the structured it was. They had his name all through it. They showed pictures of him, but he wasn't in here. But it felt good to see Green Eye Born because I had always wanted to know how he looked like. Um, I had read so much about him, and I know for a fact that's one that's One of the problems uh Jamil from Gully TV had with this documentary, he felt like and bimmy should have been in here and that's what him and glaze was talking about you guys should really check that um live stream out it's on glaze channel uh brian glaze glibs i think they should have had him in uh in here as well um but it shows on how Preen got out and he did a movie um and produced it uh it has some great people in there It has some great actors up in there snoop dog it has some everybody in there um it was called Crime Partners, and it was based off a book. And Irv and Hove, you know, they um, put some money into it. So we see they bring up, you know, e-money bags, the recording when he was murdered, which stemmed from a car deal. And the car deal went wrong, and Black Just was killed off of that. Um, and, you know, it was payback for that. Black Just was... Cream's right-hand man, very respected. Um, He was one of 50 Cent OGs, one of his mentors. Black just looked out for Fifth a lot and e-money bags was a, was a hustler e-money bags they say was real official and if you guys want the story as far as on that side e-money bags was really really close with prodigy and he breaks that down in his book as well so i'm telling y'all the books i be reading that's how i be doing all this shit. i just love reading all this stuff but um as far as like the e-money bags on their side prodigy really breaks that down but e-money bags they say was official and black just was official and when black just got killed it was an accident. He wasn't trying to get Black Just. But anywho, from the murder of E-Money Bags, they showed the shooting on in this documentary. They had the pictures and they had a recording. And the tape was left behind. And that's what implemented Prim. Um Preem's arrest, it was the um, big part of Murder, Inc.'s downfall. And before they took him in, he did have a chance to go see his nephew one last time. So he got to go see Prince, and he was brought in on two homicides, and a lot of it was payback, political, for Edward Byrne. They he got they, he got life in prison, and they had frozen all of Murder Inc.'s assets, had them all tied up in this Fed case as well. So he had to get like, you know. um <clears throat> Court appointed lawyer, which you know how that shit go, But, um, <sighs> Kenneth McGriff Spring, he was incarcerated. He's been incarcerated since 2002. And I, like I said, in this documentary, I loved hearing Prima and Prince in their own words. We had only heard of them through people telling their story. So it did, um, feel good to see that. But with the whole Black Just, E money bags, the 50 cent shooting, that shit goes so deep, and they brought it. They did show it in the documentary, but a lot of it was polished up. And the reason I think it was polished up is because they end up bringing up towards the end of the documentary of the first step act law that was implemented in 2018. So Prince can be eligible for release soon. So they're just waiting on the Supreme Court to file that cat was just granted parole so of course they're going to want to you know polish it up a bit so that's why i said i kind of get why they left a lot out and glossed over a lot um the stories are out there we see tommy walker he used to be in that life as well and he's changed his life all the way around and he's helping Prince set up for a resentencing under the first step back law and Prince, uh, the night of that big raid at his house was March 21st, 1990. So he has been gone for a long time. And we have lost a lot of brothers to the penitentiary system. Like I said, yes, some of them did do a lot of crime, a lot of murders, a lot of the destruction of the Black community. But it's so much deeper than that. A lot of these men were teenagers at the time. They didn't bring the drugs over here. (laughs) You know, you bring somebody a whole, you bring a kid a whole bunch of candy, what they're going to do, eat it, right? just to simplify it. They brought the shit over here. They dumped it in our communities. People was making money that they would had never seen, never seen their parents, grandparents have. And it did destroy our community. It did, but they didn't do it on their own. And it was a lot of innocent people lost, who lives lost, who did had nothing to do with the crack era or drug community. They just might've been innocent bystanders, you know, like, We don't want to just downplay it. The the murder of Edward Byrne was very tragic, you know, but um, the story is just so deep. And from that murder, Supreme, he was like the last one out from that era. And it was like, no, that was payback. I remember watching the interview with Chaz Williams and he was like, you know, a lot of that was payback. And Chaz Williams was official as well. Uh, Check out his story. He's from that era as well, Queens. And look at the mayor now in New York. You know, you can change your life around, you know. (laughs) Even when I look at the guy uh, who, like I said, he was a part of the the Supreme Team. And he went to go be a cop. What is his name? Hold on, I'm going to tell y'all. Because he's doing an interview now. And he was in this documentary. Mm, Getting his name put up. Bear with me, guys. I'm coming. Corey Peggs, um, he's doing an interview now, and he was in this documentary as well, but it ended with. Prince saying he definitely coming back to Queens if they'll have him. <laughs> so you know, what I'm saying let's hope that brother get his resentencing and get to get out. I thought this was a very good documentary. Shout out to Nas for doing this shit, keeping it so Queens. They even had some Queens songs up in there. They playing some Mob Deep. So I do have a sleeper for you guys, and I think it's only right if I play a song from one of the goats, Mr. Nasir Jones. He's one of my faves, and. Where he's talking about the Supreme team, and I'm gonna get you guys out of here. I really enjoyed this documentary. I love True Crime, I love the 80s era. I love the I love talking about this because, like I said, when you get into the snowfalls, the freeway rick stories, the supreme team, the fat cats, the apples, you know, when you get into all that shit, it, it was a domino effect with the community, and you know, some people do glorify it, but it is something to be talked about. It happened, it's a part of history. So, I'm, like, obsessed with stories like this. So, I could watch stuff like this all uh, day. You dig? So, I got a sleeper for you guys. And I get you guys out of here. I hope you guys enjoyed my recap of this Supreme Team three-part docuseries. And here is my sleepers, Memory Lane, sitting in the park by Mr. Nas. All right, fuck that shit. Word, word. Fuck that other shit, you know what
1: I'm saying? We gonna do a little something like this, you know what I'm saying? You know, just keep it on and on and on and on and on. You know what I'm saying? Big Nas, nice. real wizard. Oh, what is it <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Okay. okay. for listeners. bloodheads, flat ladies, and prisoners. And it's the holders in Be dissing, unofficial that the I dropped out of high, gas to water, cat pie, jungle survivor, fuck with the lava. My man put the battery in my back, a different Sentence begins it Formality, moderation's infinite money, As a physiology. Poetry, that's a part of me. Retarded, Levi, I dropped the ancient man of Benton Hip Hop. Straight off the block, I reminisce a walk chance. My man was shot for a sheet coat. Chocolate lesson, make me see him dropping my weed smoke. It's gonna go up in tripe life to times a white line, the high pipes. Murderous night times, and night fights and white crimes. Chill on the block, with cardiac, old strap. We're not defense in the dark money market, interact a No sign of a beast, and a price. Well, I guess that means beats. From niggas, no shice bites to despite start off the dice roll match so from track to see what was our vessel over there's about to be low beast cigar, now the shit is explained, I'm taking niggas on the trip straight to memory lane, it's like that jaw, it's like that jaw, it's like that jaw. it's like that it's like that it's like come out of the street take a down already you out of the take a down you one for the money, two for a pussy, and four and five, three for Alice. Niggas deceased and behind bars. I'm at the Vagar, check their prognosis. Is it real or showbiz? But when no races shoot out, drug overdoses, live amongst the roses. Only the drama. For real, a nigga plate is my fate. My medicine, is the Kaja, here's my basis. My razor embraces many faces. Intel, a poke, black stick of a petro-racist. It goes dramatic automatic. They blow, blow. I left blow and back down, popo when a vent so, my pit taps the pay for them. my brain's blank. I see dark streets, hustling brothers who keep the same ring, pumping for something. Summer price, pussy, bell, judges, hanging niggas, like correct bells, full direct sales. My intellect prevails from my hanging drawers with nails. I reinforce the frown, with lyrics that's real. on the price of the cycle of streets, trifle on beats. I decipher prophecies, two of my kids say peace. I hung around the older booths while they sling, smack the thing fast. They spoke a fat cat, that niggas name, me bell rings. Black I'm was Jamaica son. herbie was watch the herbs stand still. Never talk in the cause the words of man kill. True in the game, as long as blood is my vein. I'm behind it, get cool, my deceased memory lane.
0: All right, that was my sleeper in my Joe Button style. Shout out to the motherfucker pie father Joey. That was Memory Lane Sitting in the Park by Nas. Shout out to Nas for putting this thing together. Um, this was a really great documentary. Um, if you didn't know a lot, you, this was good for you. I, 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 I knew a lot because I like this is my genre. I love stuff like this, so I had read the books, read a lot of documentaries, watched a lot of you know, interviews from Notorious Hustlers. So I had knew a lot, but some stuff I didn't know. But one thing I did love and appreciate it. I love that Nas produced it. He's from Queens. I loved hearing Prem in his own voice. Uh, Prince in his own voice. I love seeing green eye born in there. I love learning where the Supreme team name came from. It was a lot of good things in there. And I love seeing some of the real footage of like different things with the Nichols organization. Like I had read about it, seeing clips on it but never seen the footages of it I had only seen like pictures um so yeah it was a really really good documentary I enjoyed it I hope you guys check it out and if you know don't have Showtime and haven't had a chance to check it out I hope you guys enjoyed this recap I won't be on for another week and I'll be when I do come back uh, we will continue our Mafia marathon and we're gonna do Casino and Bugsy but for now you guys got time to catch up on my Gotti recap my uh Donnie Brasco, Goodfellas in the Fear City. Power comes back August 14th. I was supposed to start back recapping Cruel Summer, but it has not dropped out yet. Um, So when our shows um, get to coming back, we'll start doing our weekly recaps again. But as for now, we're doing our Mafia Marathon. And if you guys have any recaps, don't forget, you can always hit me up and I will be happy to check out your request and get your recap out. So on that note, I hope you guys are enjoying your summer, keeping them positive vibes, protecting your energy, you know, just enjoying yourselves. Life's too short. Try to stay up. Try to look at the bigger picture and the best out of every situation you can. It's a lot of shit going on. Try to keep you, try to keep, try to stay up, try to stay up, try to keep them vibes up. Thank you for your support. I love my podcast family. You guys are dope. Thank you guys for holding me down. I will be um, back in a week. And it's your girl, Shanice, and I'm out. Hope you enjoyed the show with your girl, Shanice. <laughs>